The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. That's a, that's a magnet. Oh boy, oh boy, you guys, crazy ones. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let's let's get through the intro first, okay? All right. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Wednesday, November 29th, and today is National Package Protection Day. I wonder if this is in relation to the Postal Service or if this is just for men everywhere across the country. Protect your package. Exactly. Protect your package, guys. It's International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian People and Electronic Greetings Day. Well, you know what else it is. It's also the start of MJ Biz and everyone's out in Vegas getting turned up. And I'm willing to bet that they all party too hard and everyone's going to be late to show up for the festivities today. But nonetheless, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that little bar down below on the bottom of the screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch facebook and rumble so welcome to everyone joining us from any of those audiences uh rico how do you want want to start this off today because we just got the three of us today we can get it popping uh, i think i'm gonna have some good discussion to come out of mine so um you want you want me to start off with one of mine i have four stories today you got four i have God four damn. i have four stories for you today rico an overachiever right hey you know you know what hey when when people aren't here when people when people have partied too hard with burner last night you know what i mean i'm i'm here to make sure to carry the weight hey hey you know what i'm saying superstars on the team that's right that's right hang out with with the the burn man himself you know what i'm saying yes all stars all stars all the way around all stars all the way around oh man get ready for this you guys uh, and Adam, this is this is the one that that has that has that post that I was mentioning to you. If we can pop up there, the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics moved in on a massive illegal marijuana operation outside of Locust Grove on Tuesday morning. OBN Director Donnie Anderson said the raid on a rural industrial facility comes after a one-year investigation into an organized crime ring that operates mainly on the east coast of the United States. In a quote, we weren't planning on announcing it today, but a judge signed off on the search warrant this morning, said OBN spokesman Mark Woodward. Anderson told reporters uh, on Tuesday the operation is not related to any international criminal actors, but the operation what that, that was being run was unlicensed and similar to what the state is trying to crack down on when it comes to large illegal grows connected to another to other activity. Not uh, not many other details could be released at this time because the, the search for local suspects who've been running the operation is underway. And in a quote, we can't release too much because our suspects are not in custody at this time, but more will come out later once we get some people into custody, Anderson said. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I can't believe a judge signed off on this. I can't believe a judge signed off on this. This is crazy. Fox 23 spoke with Earl Harris, who lives nearby and saw the illegal illegal drug bust in action. Uh, He says it's it's total shock to get up 
and see deputy cars and state highway patrol standing in the side of your road with AR-15s, Harris said. He said he counted 18 of them. He said there's enough crime without it being brought in, Harris said. And uh, agents worked all day and into the evening, leaving with truckloads of marijuana and another property at, oh, and another property shut down. So I guess they braided two places. Fox 23 also spoke with OBN spokesperson Mark Woodward, and he says it is something we are doing every day and working behind the scenes. He said sometimes, uh, sometimes the press doesn't even see all the effort going into trying to continue to address the criminal elements that are trying to get a foothold in our state. And this is just one example. The video of one operation, he says. Well, 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 well. Big busts happening out in Oklahoma. They've been talking about it for a long time. And look at this. Look at these pictures, you guys. And look, they, they got these guys with their hands up. So I guess these guys, they, they didn't get arrested because they said that the right. suspects are still at large. So I wonder who these guys actually are. But look at all those bags. It's a lot of bags, bro. It's a lot of bags right there. Look at that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I wasn't there. You know what this looks like? This looks like one of those New York warehouses where they have all the old, like, year-and-a-half-old weed inside of it. And this this looks looks pretty similar. Are you sure that picture's not from New York? Um, yeah. Yes, yes, because it was posted by the Oklahoma Bureau of Law Enforcement. Uh, and cops never lie. Hey, you know. No, no. Oh, I, I, I have, I have a cop lying. Another story later, later today. You'll, I think you'll find this very, very interesting. <laughs> yes. Is there a video with that too, Adam? Oh man, should we play this video? All right, we're gonna play this video. Play oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's, let's see video. what you guys have to say about this. Hold on one second. He says, Adam's pulling it up. Here we go. We're getting live in like three, two, and one. Blast off. Now, we showed you at five drone footage of state agents moving in on the scene off Highway 412. They say this is. No, 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 you can play it. It's all right. We have team coverage for you tonight, starting with Fox 23's John Acebus live from the site near Locust Grove for us. John, what are people in the community saying about this? Definitely surprised. Well, honestly, they say they're not very surprised. Over the last few months, they say they've seen some unusual things going on here. One of those being cameras. As you see right over my right shoulder, it appears there's a camera just above that fence line that is either on or recording. This is one of many things they say they have noticed, so they are not surprised to see what happened today. This was live drone footage of a massive marijuana bust in Locust Grove. You can see what appears to be workers with their hands in the air, as well as dozens of agents and trucks on scene. I counted 18. That's Earl Harris. From where he lives, he can probably throw a rock and hit the site that was shut down. It's total shock. Get up in the morning and come outside and deputy cars and state highway patrol and different agents standing on the side of the road with AR-15s. Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics agents held a news conference Tuesday in Oklahoma City addressing their efforts to crack down on illegal marijuana businesses. This one, agents say, was tied to a criminal organization on the East Coast operating in Locust Grove. OBN spokesperson Mark Woodward. It is something that we are doing every day. Our, our agency, OMMA, working behind the scenes that a lot of times the press does not get to see. Um, all the effort that's going into what we're doing to try to address the criminal elements that are trying to get a foothold in our state. And these are just, this is just an example, this video of, of one operation. Moments ago, dozens of agents left the scene of this property behind me here in Locust Grove. This gate was just closed, but one more wrecker appears to have gone back on site. Now, even as I stand here, there's a gentleman in the parking lot parked saying he works here and he's not sure what happens next. He says in the last few days there have been attorneys here who signed off and said everything was okay now he doesn't know if he has a job agents worked all day and into the evening leaving with truckloads of marijuana another property shut down and making people like earl harris feel a little safer there's enough crime here without it being brought in now, after I spoke with that gentleman in the parking lot who said he worked here, I reached out to narcotics agents and I basically texted them and said, hey, how likely is it that he wouldn't have known? And they said very likely. They are usually just hired to do, hired to do a simple job, come in here and do some labor, and they just assume that things here are legal. 
turns out in Locust Grove, agents say this was not, but this is still an active and open investigation. They are still looking to put in custody the people who run this organization. Man, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. What do you guys think about this? Locust Grove. They just you know keep what? chasing their tail. Yep. <laughs> they don't want to look at the realities of this is a cash crop. People are going to grow it every place you're not watching them. Mm-hmm. There's a market for it. And yet you still put the cops in charge of trying to fix this. Policymakers won't fix this. And so we're going to continue to see this going round and round and round until we have an effective federal policy a nationwide interstate commerce plan to deal with this. Otherwise, right now, growing this shit is money-making. Why would people not do it when they can't catch you? Cops have a tough time catching people, um, especially with crimes like this, or who all's involved. Why are they letting these people walk away? Well, I mean, if you're working on an illegal operation, you're committing a crime. I, I, you know so, what I uh, wonder, Dale? I wonder how many of those workers were actually owners, and they were just like, I'm just a worker here. Yeah. Like, well, who knows? Because um, cop's job is to investigate crime and to go out and gather evidence. And oh, they hold on, hold on, policy. hold on, hold on. No, 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 hold on. It's law enforcement's job. Law enforcement makes an arrest and then builds their case. The federal government, FBI and whatnot, they do their investigation and then they make an arrest. There's a big distinction right there. Well, at a state level, they stumble upon crime a lot more than they get them through investigation. That part, but I thought yeah. this story was they've been investigating for a year. Okay? Yes. And this is what they got after a year? Yeah. Holy shit. I want to know how much tax dollars they paid 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 to paid to do this. Like how, how much how much did they spend on this investigation in, in the course of a year? Well, I don't know the numbers, but it's money they're flushing down the toilet because it doesn't solve anything. And that's the runaround they fall into. The policy need makers need to step up and fix this, but they don't want to because they're a bunch of pussies. They want to take anything that's that's going to be controversial, leave it to the cops, and the cops screw this up regularly. In the meantime, people are set, you know shipping boof all over the goddamn country and selling it everywhere, and the bee goes on. Yeah, and this being in Oklahoma, this very well could have been a very big boof factory that they shut down. Yeah, well... You know, how many of them are booth factories? Oh, probably like 90% of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a problem. But, you know, if you're in, I don't know, left armpit Mississippi, and you're looking for some weed, booth is like all you got to choose from. So Either that or, T- well or THCA. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. THCA, America's favorite. Oh, yes. <laughs> The king of the internet. That shit's comical because they, they define something, and then if it's not clearly defined, everything else is legal, and they end up standing there you know, with both feet on their virile member going, how do we screw this up? Well, because you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Yep. Go ask a chemist. They know how to define this shit. Very, very true. You got any, 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 any other thoughts on this, Rico? I'm just saying, man, um, keep on playing whack-a-mole. Keep on playing. <laughs> I mean, they got lots of land in Oklahoma. They got lots of land yep. in Oklahoma to play whack-a-mole with. Looks like them good old trap boys done got away again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that note, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Sick of the December cold? Then fly out to Miami in December for Turp Basil. December 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Presented by Sherbinsky's at Skatebird in Miami. With tons of your favorite brands in attendance for this four-day event. As well as High at Night News as one of the media partners. With live performances throughout the week by Dead Prez, Mayday, Visions Band, and Washi Fire. So, do like the birds and fly south to Miami for Turk Basil this winter, December 7th through the 10th in Miami, Florida. Man, it just makes me want to go to Florida, bro. You know? <laughs> oh, yes. Coming up next, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, who is still here in L.A. That's right. Kicking it with the bay. And taking care of little baby Quasimodo in the background. That's right. It is none other than the dope dad himself. It is Rico Lameet. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. 
And um, y'all know what? 2024 is right around the corner. And as the world brings in yet another trip around the sun, the California cannabis industry's adult use market will also be celebrating its sixth year of operating. In the midst of tough economic times, the Golden State weed industry is up against an emboldened criminal syndicate. And law enforcement's been uh, largely ineffective against persistent illegal operators. Will the world's largest adult use cannabis industry ever learn how to kill off the illicit players and replace them with uh, thriving legal businesses? Several SoCal industry insiders gave Green Market Report their takes this week. And the uh, outlook is not so pretty. Per the article, thousands of unlicensed storefronts and delivery services have been kept alive by high state and local taxes that make it impossible for legal retailers to compete on price points. It's led to many multi-state operators and brands exiting the multi-billion dollar market despite its enormous uh, number of consumers and driven much the contraction that has been happening for months. And many are saying that the future of uh, viability of California's legal market is at stake. Jared Kylo, owner of the Higher Path Dispensary and president of the United Business uh, United Cannabis Business Association, says he does not think anything's changed since 2028's launch. And if anything, it's gotten worse. Even if the illicit market hasn't really grown, per se, it's gained confidence and become more organized due to the lack of enforcement or serious criminal penalties. They've become more efficient. And with that efficiency, they've become a little bit harder to find, and they've gone into different areas. It's not all weed maps anymore. They're not that dumb anymore, Kylo said. Uh, he also said local and state agents have been inefficient in shuttering illicit operators for good. While they may change locations and tactics, those operators are still broadly active and sucking market share from people trying to play by the rules. <laughs> A new state law allows agents to levy civil fines of up to $30,000 a day against anyone found operating without proper permits, but enforcement has been scarce. The director of California Department Tax and Fee Administration, Nicholas Maduros, told Kylo and others that he's hesitant to put his staff at possible risk of assault from illicit operators. Recanting the conversation, Kylo says Maduro's told him that they didn't have Kevlar pocket protectors. And <laughs> <laughs> he said that shit. And uh, concerned for their own safety. Kylo's response, what about ours? <laughs> We're trying to survive. What's, that, uh, what's the encouragement to actually run a license operation versus obviously the incentives to not do it? Well put, Jared. And you know what? I don't have an answer for that either. And apparently the state of California does not have anything uh, to say uh, in backlash to this. They just put out more uh, tax dollars into no enforcement. And, you know, much has come and gone in California industry over the last uh, five years. Regulators have been cycled out, some on their own terms, others not so much. Uh, the legal business landscapes evolved. Many big named first movers have tapped out. Others teamed up with rivals to survive or got rolled up into larger entities. When it comes to wellness, we've witnessed the meteoric rise of lesser regulated CBD and hemp industries. Psychedelics gained public favor and heard much less about cannabis as medicine, unfortunately. In the lifestyle lane, still the heart and soul of everything that we do, but so much has changed. The event seems completely unrecognizable along with what it means to be a cannabis influencer these days. Uh, but of course, how consumption is generally perceived and performed uh, by insiders and the public, night and day, comparing 2017 to 2023. In lieu of all that change, one facet of the California games rolled with the punches, adjusted appropriately, and remains generally unscathed. We've said it from the jump, continue to say it over the last few years of reading these headlines, and I'll say it again today. The trap is immortal. It's a product of the people and will always serve the people because regulated markets fail to provide equal access on both sides of the game, that is. Uh, it's an inconvenient reality, but indeed the reality we all live in, capitalism will win out at the end. And whatever that looks like another five years from now, who knows? But I'm pretty sure the trap will still be alive and kicking. Um, the regulators and legislators are the ones who gave the illicit operators their current leverage. It's on them to, to restore balance. 
I'm Rico Lamite, the dopest dad on the street for High Nine News. Interested in hearing y'all's thoughts on the California market's first five years and predictions uh, for the near and near and distant future. What do y'all think? Man, it's been metaphor is circling the drain. From the minute this got started, anybody that wanted to get in the industry is looked at as a target to pick their pockets because, of course, they were making all this money. And if you give these regulators an opportunity, they'll regulate the shit out of everything. Facts. Make it where you yeah. can't you can't operate. Everybody. So the only way you're going to beat the trap is in the is in the marketplace. And right now, the marketplace that's legal can't compete with the trap. And the cops are getting paid to go after them. So everybody should have been listening to Warren G. Yep, mm-hmm. mount up. Regulators, mount up. Exactly. <laughs> They're going to come in and come start taxing. Exactly. Okay. I. I totally agree with you, Dale. It's it's been it's been a downhill spiral ever since the start, and everyone had such high hopes for the industry overall and all of the possibilities that it would bring to instill economic growth in in underserved communities and and the whole hopes and promises of social equity, better known as socialist equity, uh, have just been an utter failure. And these regulators don't do anything at all whatsoever to try to fix the problem. All they do is set policies in place to only prolong the inevitable. Well, from the jump, the people that were regulating this didn't like marijuana. They didn't go looking for cannabis-friendly people to be involved. Lori Ajax, I mean, she's a nice lady, but she came from the alcohol industry. And they just didn't trust our industry. They thought we were the bootleggers, and <clears throat> they still think of all of you us know, that way. You know what's funny that you mentioned that, Dale, because I had a conversation with uh, with a DCC agent at the very, very beginning of, of, of all of this. And and I was asking them where, where they came from, like how, how they do this, da-da-da-da-da. And she was former law enforcement, and she said that she got into it because she wanted to come in and bust illegal grows. And that's why she joined the DCC. <laughs> Well, what the people of California did was say, fuck all you guys. We're going to make growing weed a misdemeanor soaking wet. Deal with that. So now the downside for people who grow weed illegally is you're looking at a misdemeanor soaking wet, unless they find some other environmental problems. So law enforcement's all pissed off that we can't threaten them with a felony anymore. And those of us who were threatened with felonies are like, fuck you. You don't need that gun to anybody's head. Yep. Figure this out yep. from a policy standpoint. No one wants it. They all want tax money. They all want to keep telling you what you have to do. And the trap's like, fuck that. I'll throw 50 pounds in a trunk and move it and sell it tomorrow. Exactly. Stuff the money in my pocket. Fuck all you guys. Right. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm most surprised, problem. Dale. I'm most surprised at these other states taking the same path. <laughs> like New York. I'm looking at y'all. I'm looking at y'all. Looking at you, James of Flatbush. I'm looking at uh, yeah. these New Yorkers, man. Like, like y'all saw how we fumbled that that shit, and you did the yeah. same thing. Well, mm-hmm. I, like, uh, you, I, I think I think New, New New York actually did it, fumbled it better than us, because their trap okay. market is is oh my god, it's so flourishing, and it's like it's not, it's like every single door of every single business on every single street, it's, which is yeah, like it's, it's out in the open. Yeah, it's like, like it's like out here. It was it was out in the open and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you drive you drive a mile, you see a weed store. You know what I mean? You drive another couple miles, you see a weed store. But New yeah. York, you just walk from one storefront to one storefront, and you have a whole selection of flour to choose from. Right. Yeah, out here they, they at least try to conceal it. <laughs> you don't see how how uh, um, extravagant their offerings are until you walk into the uh, the joints mm-hmm. <laughs> in New York. That shit. Well, out I in the open. The man. problem, the problem is still the mindset of the people who don't want to legalize this, but were forced to by popular demand. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. we had to pass an initiative in California because the cops just would not do it. I mean. Uh, the problems we had after 215 passed when the cops lost their mind that all of a sudden we can defend ourselves in court to the point where we are now that if you go into a state and say, oh, we want to open cannabis, who shows up? Regulators that don't like weed, the cops show up. The people who want to want to make it legal don't have the inside influence in these policymakers to get what we needed in industry to be to, to work. So the cops are just stupid. They'll continue to do the same thing over again. It's the definition of insanity. And they think we're going to get a better result. Give us more money or resources. We'll fix the problem. No, you can't. People want to smoke weed. 
That's the problem. The average person doesn't think weed is dangerous for you. Nothing compared to alcohol and tobacco. So they tell you, go sit down and fuck yourself because we don't buy your propaganda anymore. And the cops want to keep doing the same thing. It's, it's, it, it really is crazy. And trying to talk to policymakers, you can just feel their butts pucker up when you point out to them, you guys do not want to address this from how you're going to win, which is from economics. If everybody wants to do this a license, watch them. Let this stuff be not unregulated, but regulated a lot less. Nobody really gives a shit out there whether you have a COA attached to every nug they're going to buy. They're buying it in the trap. Nobody's coming in with a yeah, COA. No one cares. All this shit they're doing is nuts. That. No one cares. <clears throat> so, Dale, you're, you're saying you're saying that you can see, you can see their butt quiver. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you look. You look, you look for the countenance on their face. You can and feel you're it. Talking you can feel to it. Them, and you can just see that you, you can know, just watch it. You can just, yeah. Like a cigar <laughs> what? Oh, my God. We, we're the problem. Yeah, you're the fucking problem because you don't recognize economics. It's, just, it's incredible to oh, watch man. their faces, guys. Oh, boy. Oh. Yep. Oh, man. It's just, yes, that's right. When the reality See, I used hits. to represent cops. So I can sit down with the cops and tell them, look, I know what the hell you guys do in your back rooms. Stop this. You know, stop making these policies. But someone's funding them. Someone's paying them. Mm-hmm. You got to follow the money here. Who's paying these cops to go out and keep doing this? I think you. I think you hit the nail uh, right on the head uh, with your first comment there, uh, Dale. When you put people in charge of an industry that are either a diametrically opposed to everything in that industry, or b have never run a business in that industry, you're doomed to fail. Mm-hmm. Period. Like I, I love like a lot of the um, our past regulators. Um, Cat Packer's a, 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 a close friend of mine uh, too, but she had never run a cannabis business, and they just threw her into the fire um, and made her run all of uh, Los Angeles and made her uh, a public enemy number one for everybody because she couldn't please any or everybody, and she just didn't have um, yeah. uh, past business experience in cannabis. That position right? was and destined Lori, to Lori fail. Ajax from the alcohol. Well, uh, industry. Well, like, hold on. They they didn't even give her proper resources at the same time too. So we can't no. blame it well, on. No. she had like Kat. six people on her team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She didn't even have proper resources. Yeah. She didn't have the proper budget to really do that in with in, she was some, in somewhere like LA exactly. She 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 ended up being a poster child for failure and it's it, it's sad. Was the LA sacrificial lamb. Yeah. Come on. 100 percent Can't do this down there. Everybody's fighting each other to get into the middle of this. And their political interests are just not in line with everybody else's. And there's so many problems in L.A. I mean, the whole mess out here is that we did not start off with people who were friendly to the cannabis industry looking for ways to make it work. They just didn't enforce for a couple of years. But when they did start to enforce, it's like they're just they're going to try to enforce their way through this. You can't do it. This is not an enforcement problem. It's an economic problem. Until you get to the heart of the economics of this, you're gonna enforcement's your only tool, and it's never gonna work. It's whack a mole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Facts, facts, facts. And we're gonna keep we're gonna keep this train train rolling. Thank you so much for that, Rico. Uh, th- th- this story was sent to us by uh, by Ingrid, who watches who watches us daily, and she's uh, she sent me over this uh, this article. It says the Lower Sioux in Minnesota need homes. So they are building them from hemp. And just so you know, this is one of those, uh, this was a longer article, so I had it shortened down, just so you know. Those computers are working great. The Lower Sioux Indian Reservation in southern Minnesota is building a 20,000-square-foot manufacturing campus to pioneer a green experiment. They will grow hemp, process it into uh, insulation called hempcrete, and then build healthy homes with it. The Lower Sioux lost most of their lands in the 19th century and now live in poor soil on 1,743 acres. They are building homes that will, la- that will last and be healthy and are developing a niche eco-skill they can market off the reservation as well. One of the smallest tribes in the county is leading the national charge on an integrated hempcrete operation and it's fantastic because hempcrete is normally the the domain of rich people with means to contract a green home not marginalized communities i'm not sure if that's all the way true but whatever uh earl earl pendleson 52 a rail thin man 
of quiet intensity grew obsessed with industrial hemp when reading about about it 13 years ago he learned it has 25,000 uses and can regenerate soil sequester carbon and it doesn't require fertilizers hempcrete is made by mixing mashed stocks with lime and water and then uh, spraying or stuffing the the resulting oatmeal like substance in the cavities or framed walls. Commercial hemp was banned in the U.S. until the 2018 Farm Bill, but hempcrete has been slow to catch on due to chicken and egg conundrum. Uh, Pendleton saw a chance to pivot from the Lower Sioux Jackpot uh, Junction Casino, the tribe's main source of income for the past 35 years because the per capita cut that each family gets from the 30 million profits yearly has shrunk dramatically, they say. Well, 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 I do think hempcrete is, is a future, and I think one of the bigger problems with hempcrete is that um, not as many uh, uh, building departments across the country acknowledge hempcrete as an actual building material, and I think we need to get more cities and more bureaucracies on board with that and probably even the federal government in as allowing hempcrete as a buildable source for all of these construction needs, and I think then you would see more of an economic boom within this country in regards to this industry. But shout out to the to the Sioux tribe out there in Minnesota for doing this, and I'm sure that they are going to be very profitable in their endeavors. And this is Jason Beck. And what do you guys have to say? You know about what this? You know, Jason, and thank you, Ingrid, for your uh, um, contribution with the with the story. Always showing love out there. Um, most of y'all know that I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of the hemp industry. I actually have one of our hemp hoodies on uh, today. Toasty. Um, toasty. Make sure y'all to check out Toasty Tees. We got some good shit for y'all. Uh, but um, and the, the the problem, Jason, is is all these subsidies that are already put out for the concrete industry, for the uh, for big lumber as well. Um, and they have like 10, sometimes 15 year contracts and they ain't, they ain't breaking those, man. Um, like, like hemp, hempcrete specifically can solve so many problems mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to insulation, when it comes to uh, flame retardants uh, um, in, in at risk states like here in California. You can replace all these roads with hempcrete and you have a lot less issues, too. But, um, yeah, the problem is it costs too much. and You're not going to have those subsidies because they've already been given to the powers that be. And how much money is it going to cost to um, actually retrain a lot of those people in those legacy industries uh, um, uh, to actually learn the processes with hemp? You're forgetting right? the so, other part, Rico. What's that? If 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 roads didn't break, there would be we wouldn't need planned obsolescence. And planned obsolescence part, is is the big part in all of this. That part, there is no profit. There is no long-term profit or sustainable profit involved in a cure, right? So exactly. you're going to keep on doing something that is broken or half broken, like, oh, yeah, we can fix it. We can improve. We can improve. There's no there's no need for the Maytag man if the shit never breaks down, right? That's right. That's right. And there's no need to buy it again if it doesn't break. Yep. Well, national building standards have to incorporate this, <clears throat> and that's where the uh, influence of these big industries is just hard to break. Um, and right now it's expensive insulation and few people can afford it. Uh, they need, you can build lumber, I mean, non-structural support lumber out of hemp. There are so many things you can do, but each one of them competes with an industry making billions of dollars and they can throw money at the national industry standards that we can't. We're standing outside the castle with a bunch of signs screaming, yelling, let us in and everybody else is already inside making money. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem we face with almost any hemp derived product, either we can't produce it profitably here in the United States, it's got to be imported, or you can't break into the industries. Um, yeah, we'd much, we would much rather problem. fill we'd much rather fill the potholes rather than um, fix the damn road, right? Uh, Ingrid, Ingrid is saying something interesting. She says that, that uh, Hemcrete's trouble is with the binders. And so, but that to, to me, to my understanding, that's, that's water and lime, isn't it? Well, it's quick lime. But it's mm-hmm. not, it's not um, structural, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got to have concrete that will withstand different forces to be able to make it structural. And right now, it's just expensive insulation. So they need to develop um, hemp products that actually can withstand loads. Uh, otherwise, it's just, you said, expensive insulation. Expensive insulation. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. They need to, they need to uh, dump some of that... Um, uh, enforcement budget into mm-hmm. the development of uh, hempcrete 
and research into the better hempcrete products. Oh, yeah. and uh, and she says she never says that money up. Hold on, this is this nope. is this is super interesting. She also says that industry people are worried about protecting their quote unquote recipe instead of putting it out there um, to be tried and tested. <clears throat> So there you go, that, 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 that protectionist mindset popping back in, even when we're dealing with weed and hemp. Yeah. The booth I can, I can of actually, the booth. Yep, the booth of the booth. I can actually see like a stopgap measure being um, maybe a hybrid material mm-hmm. until we can figure out how to uh, completely um, uh, fix. I just looked up over here on, uh, on Google. It says the, the biggest downsides of hempcrete are its porous structure of the hempcrete uh, decreases its mechanical performance and increases the ability to retain water. Like um, yep. um, maybe developing some kind of hybrid material uh, until they fix all of that stuff. But you know what? Money fixes everything else. Money well, goes into all this research. Dale, Dale, I think you'll find this super, super interesting. Dr. Mark Scaldone is in, is in the chat, and he says, the concrete industry will resist until they own it. All kinds of structuralized testing needs to happen to show durability in its use. It does. There's a lot of PR that goes into changing these industry standards. And when the door isn't open to you, then it's pretty hard to change them. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of research in the strength of different concrete products. I mean, you have to test it at the site uh, before it's allowed be to be used for structure i mean there's a lot of things that go into this and but concrete's not the only thing you can use him for in building it needs to be brought into every part of it it can be i mean they're taking goddamn chips of wood and turning them into two by fours okay that's that's particle board tell me they oh yeah you're telling me you can't make something out of hemp curd i mean come on dude feel like goldilocks it's not not true Feel like uh, that's the story that the industry's being told. Every time you say curds, I, all I can think of is Goldilocks. Goldilocks, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No the way. Yes. No way. Bears, yes. Uh, <laughs> and on that, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google? Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yes. Stop whatever you're doing and whatever you are doing. Make sure that you hit that like button. I know we'll appreciate it. You will appreciate it. And YouTube appreciates it. Also, too, all the articles that we are, all the stories that we cover today, you can read on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And, Adam, if you can put the link in the chat, we would appreciate it. On January 1st, we are going to be moving to our new channel at Hyatt 9 News, H-I-G-H-A-T-N-I-N-E, News, N-E-W-S. Uh, on YouTube, we want to build that channel up. So if you could, please go and subscribe, hit the notification. So then that way you don't miss out on any of the stuff. And we will still have, continue to have content on this channel um, that, that we are currently producing. And we are going to be releasing at the beginning of the year for all of you guys. So with that said, let's go to another commercial. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. This 36-year practicing attorney and now the retired founding partner at Armada Law Corp is here to break us off with a little bit of foul mouth knowledge. Dale Schaefer, what you got for us? Uh, It's your favorite Tio Loco. Shout out to my granddaughter. It's her 23rd birthday today. Uh, I'm just going to go spend some time with her. I got 12 of them and four of them are now 23. So I'm absolutely an old man now. Now, my story is is a continuation of, of what Rico talked about, um, the settlement in New York of this nonsensical um, suit that Kathy Hochul was trying to put lipstick on the pig about. 
And it's from Law 360, New York pot regulators will settle suits that stalled licensure. And what you guys uh, talked about yesterday was the 600,000 pounds of CBN booth that's being stored in New York before it goes out to dispensaries. When I read this story, what I saw was a typical problem that we see and are gonna continue to see around the nation. New York passed a state law, and these are what we call enabling statutes. They then give regulators the authority to go out and write these nitpicky regulations, okay? And one of the issues is always, have you exceeded your authority from the enabling statutes? And the cases that we're talking about, there was a, a couple of veterans and then some others that fit into a category the state uh, legislature had created for social equity. And these included veterans, people with cannabis crimes, um, so what the regulators decided to do was when, when they put out this control, these um, con, um, conditional, I'm sorry, I'm having a brain fart this morning. These conditional adult use dispensary licenses, they limited them to only people who had a New York state cannabis crime. You couldn't have a federal cannabis crime, not veterans. So the groups that came in groups that had already passed a lot of the process and were ready to open and then they decided we're going to limit it to this group and they said hold on you know you don't i don't think you have the power to do that because it exceeds what the regulators said i mean what the, the state and the legislature and the enabling statute said and the court agreed with them they issued an injunction veterans group and a group of uh, other applicants uh, got an injunction in place they stopped all of it okay which it's just a mess because now all the CBN booth is going to sit there until they figure this shit out. But the problem involves overstepping the uh, legislative mandate and the uh, authority of these enabling statutes. And it also involves social equity because these are set up for social equity, which spills over into what, what we talked about before, the dormant commerce clause. So what it looks like happened here is the, the state regulators decided to settle with the people who uh, filed the suit. But what they didn't fix was that the enabling statute has a group of people that qualify for social equity that's expansive. And the regulators did this in a very restrictive way. Now, last year, the United States Supreme Court threw out some environmental regulations. They claimed the regulators went beyond the authority given to them by Congress. I think this is another spinoff of the same sort of mindset that we gave you the ability to write regulations within certain parameters and you went outside the bounds. So we're going to rein you in. Now, I think this is going to move things forward. The problem is until the legislature puts this conditional use, adult use dispensary language into the enabling statute, it can't be enforced anymore. So that screws up social equity for people. Okay? And it's like social equity is always given the, you know, the, the last ticket to the dance anyway. Um, I just see this as a, a, a continuing problem for any state that's going to try to do social equity. If you are not clear in your enabling statutes, um, like New York wasn't, you're gonna just open up a can of worms here that is gonna lead to litigation and people that you're trying to help with social equity are gonna be left standing there, you know, holding their virile member going nowhere. So we keep talking about people learning from other mistakes. We've had enough issues come up with these enabling statutes. And one, one of the things that you need to pay attention to if you're gonna be in the industry and the state passes laws, laws are enabling statutes. As the regulations roll out, <clears throat> every state has a mechanism for input okay once you get the regulations um, defined they're supposed to be sent for review and in california it's the office of administrative law they're supposed to look for things like this have you exceeded your regulatory authority is this going to be a problem with any other statutes and regulations if you don't take all that seriously you're setting people that want to get up in the industry another litigation bill to have to pay on top of the excess taxes the cost for regulations. So you would hope that they would learn, but this just tells me they're not learning. These people still have their head about four feet up their ass. 
and whoever is pushing them politically to do this stuff, uh, that's where you need to focus. They're the problem. And it, it typically is people whose industry is going to take a um, hit if they fully enable all of cannabis to, to be um, put forward as a viable economic entity. So it, it's a continuation. We talked about RICO, but it's my slant. What I see as a practicing attorney that these are the problems that are being created. I mean, as the litigator, hell, make these things. I'll be happy to take your money and litigate. The problem is it doesn't fix anything. You're setting people up to spend extra money in litigation. You, don't, you shouldn't have to. And, and I'm not fully retired yet, just to be clear. I'm kind of hanging around as the old goat, semi-retired. <laughs> yeah. Dale, I mean, the young ones need guidance, Dale. So we're glad you're staying on. Well, the problem is, can you get them to listen to an old goat like me? They'll, they'll, they'll listen. I mean, they'll, they, they, they may not listen, but they'll hear you. You know what I mean? Well, I've been to mm -hmm. prison. I know a couple of guys. You so know it's like, you want to hear me now? Yeah. Or I'm going to send some, <laughs> some pipe-smoking dudes over with pliers. Yep. The goons. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we got we got your take on this one, uh, uh, Dale, because I was very, very, very intrigued by this whole uh, legal proceeding and, and how it went down. And um, like my take, like yo, this whole social equity movement has been flawed from the beginning, um, and as we will see. Um, uh, when federal legalization, whatever that looks like, as we inch towards that, you're going to have more and more lawsuits because it's unconstitutional, especially with the uh, the fall of uh, affirmative action recently. You can see less and less favors being given out to people, uh, whether uh, they morally uh, deserve uh, help or not. Um, the fact of the matter is it's business and in business and in capitalism, um, it's, it's not about consciousness i don't believe in in, in, in conscious capitalism like, at all it is a system and um and these people do have a right to sue if they don't get the same opportunities as you do so um this is why i keep on saying it i've said it from the beginning i'm gonna say it uh for years like we needed to talk about reparations if you want to talk about righting the wrongs of uh that were done on these communities um the, the data's out there we have the proof we got the nixon tapes uh it was a 100 percent targeted attack on black and brown communities uh from the jump break mm -hmm. these people off of reparations and don't give them licenses uh, if they don't know how to run businesses just because you live somewhere like, like how's that going to help you if you don't know how to run a business well you're 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 right too rico and and on that too um troy lawrence also brings up a very interesting uh point in the chat he says there's no equity for the disabled owners it was no. built it was built off the backs of the medical preference and he says it's foolish stick to helping people keep it medical yeah yeah that's what we keep on coming back to too man yeah. um the re whole reason we have a quote-unquote industry is because because of medical exactly because of the because of the gay community in the 80s right no because um, of the, because of the aids epidemic in the er, yeah in, in the, the gay 80s community. and 90s yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, it's because of medical usage and, and all these bills get passed, all these adult use and uh, provisions uh, go forward. Yep. I hear less and less. And I talked about it in my story. I hear less and less talk about cannabis as medicine. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're talking about it like it's uh, like it's a straight up business. It's an illegal, federally illegal business. And um, who runs capitalism right now? They don't look like me. <laughs> Some of them so do. You, <laughs> very well, very few and less, you, less than one percent in our industry the back rooms rico you don't get invited right. to the back rooms and that's right. the I, problem i get paraded and i get paraded as a mascot out front and say like look 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 what we're doing we're helping out these people right give us more money so we can uh, uh give them you know uh, a, a couple of pennies off of the dollars that we're making so you're right? saying are and you saying are you saying you don't like working crowd control rico <laughs> I keep, a, I keep a camera in my hand and a bag in my pocket, man. <laughs> I, love the, I love the crowd do its thing, man. I just, I just surf. Just let just surf. Huh? The idea behind surf. social equity is a laudable one. And those of us who have cannabis criminal records understand that, hey, I got drug into this because my wife got cancer. Mm -hmm. I and mean, I wasn't out, you know, trying to lobby the legislature. I had to deal with cancer and smoking pot kept her alive. The medical industry was bunch of fucking pussies that wouldn't get involved so we got involved and we just poked the tiger okay mm -hmm. and ended up in prison but i 
I have not made use of my status as a disabled veteran or a criminal with a cannabis record. As you know, Rico, I don't look like you. Okay. Yep. I didn't have to fight um, prejudice. I mean, I, I had to deal with um, getting into UC system before the Baki case. But I got into college. I didn't have any issues with that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I also don't want to be precluded from going to New York and saying, I'm a disabled veteran. I have a cannabis crime. God damn it. I want to get in the front of the line with everybody else. I should be able to do that. That's the dormant commerce clause problem that they're having. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm an attorney. I did pretty well. I came out of prison. I still had a law license. I can survive. But it's how many people can end up prison? Their family had left them or it's just demolished. They have nothing. You know, what are you going to do? And the idea of trying to give them a leg up is laudable. But what I keep finding is when I sit down with these people, they are used as a shoehorn to get rich people into the business. Okay. And it pisses me off because I confront these rich motherfuckers. And I tell you, they hate me because I've been in the, invited to the back room where we're going to talk about shit that you don't say in public. And I call their ass out. Right. I, they don't like me. And it, it, I don't know how we fix this because the people who are supposed to be helped don't have a voice that really gets heard. They get used, and then they get kicked to the curb. Mm-hmm. Right. I have some successful equity clients. We just got a dispensary open in Sacramento. God love them. Women of color. You know, it's just, it's wonderful when it works. And, and when it doesn't, it's another kick in the nuts. And, and, and on that, Dale, on that, Dale, thank you for that. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Rico, you ready for this? This is the one I was telling you about earlier this morning. Break them off. One million dollars in illegal marijuana confiscated from a Wilton facility, according to police. Approximately one million worth of illegal marijuana was confiscated from a facility in Wilton, according to Wilton police. According to the press release from the police chief of Watson police officers, along with investigators from the main office of cannabis policy, were conducting a routine follow up inspection. Tuesday at a licensed marijuana cultivation facility at a property on Weld Road in Wilton. During the inspection, police reportedly received information that someone built another unlicensed marijuana cultivation facility in a different building on the property. Oh, my. Wilton Police Department officers say they made contact with the owner of the property. They came and escorted Wilton Police Department officers and Wilton Code Enforcement and OCP investigators into the interior of the building. Inside, Wilton Police officers say they found 1,211 illegally cultivated live marijuana plants and approximately 200 pounds of illegally cultivated dried marijuana. The total value of the illegally cultivated marijuana discovered is estimated at to be $1 million. Rico, get your calculator out. Wilton Police Department officer seized the the uh, illegally cultivated marijuana and destroyed it per protocol. Wilton's police chief says the owner of the property on Weld Reed has no connection to the interior interior uh, interior operations of either the licensed or unlicensed marijuana cultivation facility and the identity of the person or persons responsible for the unlicensed marijuana cultivation facility just like the last story, Rico, remains under investigation at this time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is just more of the same. What do you guys think about this? 
Growing weed's a misdemeanor soaking wet. Why wouldn't you take another building and stuff it full of weed? (laughs) These people think that the trap works because they're stupid. No, they're not stupid. You know, they're actually very smart. It's laissez-faire capitalism. I got another building over there, and they only come visit one if they're an enforcement officer. They don't have a right to go the other one, so fuck them. Be bold. Fill it up with weed. I want to know who's buying. Who, I want to know who's buying buying twelve hundred plants and two hundred pounds of weed for a million bucks. That's what I want. I don't know. That. Oh, that's I don't, what I want. I want to know who's snitched, know who snitched here. Apparently, I need to go to Wilton. No, no, no. All right, all right. So, 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 so there, there, there was a there was a cultivation on this property, a licensed cultivation. So they went yeah. they went to do an, an inspection on that. And while they're at the property, they notice somehow, whatever, that there was another structure on the same parcel that was totally unrelated with that that was also yeah, an illegal it says, cultivation. Yeah, it says in the report, it says during that inspection, they received information that someone built another unlicensed. Yeah, someone, so, yeah, someone squealed. Yeah, somebody ain't getting paid. Uh-huh. Someone squealed. <laughs> but I've set these premises up before, guys. And you define the premise. And when you carve them out of, you know, rural property, draw a line around, well, where are you going to license your premise? And a lot of these places have barns <clears throat> and other buildings on the property. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. part of the premise. So when the um, inspectors come to look, they go to the licensed premise because you give them permission to go there and look on your property. Everything else requires permission or a warrant. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty bold that, hey, I can throw a rock to the building over there and we're growing 10 plants worth $100 million in New York over there. You know, that's the that's the cop math. <laughs> so I just see this as being pretty bold. I've had some clients that said, yeah, I need you to around because I need you to bail me out for the shit I'm doing. It's like, I don't want to hear what you're doing, dude. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll come bail you out. Yep. <laughs> Man. Man. Maine. Maine. I guess they must be getting high prices for their cannabis in Maine. They said they got some good shit out there, man. Apparently. From what I've heard. Apparently. So th- th- this may not have been a booth farm that was eradicated. This may have actually been some good weed because it, it was only 1,200 plants. So I don't think that's a lot of plants. I don't know, man. Those, those main plants are um, well, more robust. And, hold on. A- a- and you know it was indoor because it was inside a structure, so you know it wasn't no outdoor trash. It has It has to be indoor if it's in Maine. Right? I mean, no. You can grow outdoors in Maine. You can grow outdoors in Maine. I mean, oh, you, yeah? get, you get sunlight. Okay. I'm not saying you're going to have a long harvest season or anything like that, but, you know. Get a ruderalis cross. Yeah, like, you'll grow something. Not saying it's going to be amazing fire. It's the perfect climate for it, but you'll get something. Might have some Mm -hmm. seeds. Like Russia in Maine. But Shit freezes early. It'll probably be better than brown weed, though. Flash freezing. Oh, no, that cryo, that cryo harvest, bro, that new tech. Yeah, make you cry. (laughs) (laughs) It's like onion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man you ready for this last story rico let's break us off man break us off with a quick one all right here we go here we go of course today it wouldn't be a story today without this being the final story mj bizcon 2023 opens today with hopes for a brighter cannabis industry future MJ BizCon, the world's largest and biggest event in the cannabis sector, kicks off on Wednesday in Las Vegas as industry leaders wrap up a tough year and hope for positive change in 2024, (laughs) particularly the potential reclassification of marijuana as a less dangerous drug by the U.S. government. Well, that's not going to help you guys at all. I don't know why you guys are excited for that. As in previous years, the 12th annual MJ Biz uh, attracts cannabis industry decision makers. 72% of attendees in 2023 are at the vice president level or above. Participants are traveling to the Las Vegas Convention Center from every state in the U.S. and beyond um, as international attendance has bounced back from pre-pandemic levels. MJ BizCon also features 135 speakers with two-thirds of them from underrepresented groups across the cannabis sector. This year's conference and expo come at yet another potential turning point for the $34 billion U.S. regulated marijuana industry. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into the possibilities of that because that's just 
BS, BS, and more BS. Um, but we they will they do they say that they want to com- celebrate wins and commiserate some losses. This year's theme, Dare to Grow, honors the pioneers, risk takers, and mavericks that make the cannabis industry so unique, said Jess Taylor, MJ Business Chief Revenue and Experience Officer. After a challenging year, we were looking forward to coming together with this resilient community to celebrate wins, commiserate losses, and set ourselves up for success going into 2024, Tyler continued we are encouraged by the momentum we saw late this year with the possibility of rescheduling and safer banking going uh getting gaining traction our hope is that mj bizcon 2023 is the start of a brighter year ahead for this incredible industry and uh they they go on to say you know a few more things you can read the full article at www.hyatt9news.com but they say they have a lot in store and some of these things is uh the patio at MJ BizCon returns with food trucks and outdoor games and a DJ and more. And the retail partner Thrive Cannabis Marketplace will have a lounge on the show floor where shoppers can pre-order cannabis products, then take a shuttle bus to and from Thrive's Las Vegas Strip location. And all attendees and exhibitors get free entry into the official MJ BizCon opening night after party at Omania nightclub at Caesars Palace. Plus, industry innovators will be recognized at the MJ's International Cannabis Business Awards in partnership with Fairchild Events and the Palms Hotel on Thursday night. And MJ BizCon is also taking over the Lexi Hotel, Las Vegas, first cannabis consumption-friendly hotel with suites for MJ BizCon attendees and meeting space for off-site networking. And also, too, they are even having... Liddy in the city in Las Vegas at the Lexi Hotel <laughs> on Saturday. And, oh, man, it's going to be a good one. And that's pretty much all I got for you today, Rico. You know, without going too far over time today, um, you know, I got to admit, you know, I've been to MJ BizCon every year, but uh, uh, but this year I, mean, I still might go. And I've closed a lot of business there. I think the problem with MJ Biz and a lot of these other regional shows and overall industry, like you're trying to help people out that built this industry when it's far too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you try to you're like, oh yeah, let's uplift these people and everything. You wouldn't let these people in when shit first started popping. Yep. And um they tried to be all super professional in the beginning and they set the tone for the Chads to come in there and do their thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And um that's that's just my issue and you have people um a lot of the folks that aren't attending is because they're trying to keep their business running mm-hmm. period so um, um to take off three three four days to go out there and party and everything like you got to make some real choices uh these days so um i think it's kind of uh ass backwards for large organizations like mj biz uh to retroactively and be like oh yeah these people built the industry we need to make sure we honor these people we got to make sure our top uh, talk tracks are talking about preserving the industry like it would not be an unfair argument to make if you said that mj biz is a big part of the problem mm-hmm. and where, where we are right now yep and uh you know i i think this is going to be the uh lowest attended mj biz conference that they have that they have seen i know so many industry people that are not attending that normally would attending i just i i think i think this is going to be their lowest attended year that they've seen to date yeah man um yeah shout out to that black friday uh um, tickets that i saw come through <laughs> through did, and you, cyber monday <laughs> promos that they came through with. <laughs> did you ever see have you ever seen a black friday sale for mj biz tickets before I don't think so. I never have. Or cyber or cyber Monday. Or Cyber Monday. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen any of that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It you know, it was um a Honeycut was introduced at MJ <laughs> MJ mm-hmm. Biz uh, back in like twenty nineteen. Oh man. Oh boy. Honeycut. Just saying. Oh. I just don't think hope is enough anymore. If that's your plan, it's not working. If you're gonna get in this industry, you better be lean, mean, and we still have a lot of political work to do. Because the market's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the, the market, people want to consume cannabis. It's out there. How do we break through the political you know, handcuffs we all have to wear to be legal? Because we can't compete against the trap market with all the shit we've got to do to try and meet all these legal regulations. You just you can't make any money. That's the circling the drain conundrum we all face. Every business I, I sit down and talk to, it's like, how can you cut your overhead? Mm-hmm. Okay, you all want to do good things for people, but if you can't pay your bills, you're out of business. 
That was right. never the message from the gate. It's the message now. And anybody doing this ought to learn that if you, unless you have a sugar daddy, you know, and the sugar daddies always want to get paid, you got to run a business here. That's this right. This is a marketplace. It's almost impossible to run a business in. You're it's right. hard. You, you know what, Dale? I, I think a great solution to all the problems in the industry right now is just like my man Troy always saying, open up the damn market. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have like, like one year of amnesty, you know, you actually focus those enforcement efforts to focus on the trap, let them handle that. And you open up the market, set a flat tax for absolutely everybody and let things figure themselves out. You want to have a free market? You want to see how people can actually compete? Let them participate. Take away, take away them shackles that, that keep people on one side of the market or the other and let the market speak for itself. I have I have said that to supervisors and city council members and even some legislatures, and you can watch on their face as they're butt puckers. Oh, there we That's go the again. We still have. Oh man, it's been a puckering, quivering Tuesday, Dale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Duck face Wednesday. And, and I'm, will, I'm willing I'm willing to bet Wednesday, Wednesday, I'm, I'm willing Wednesday, to bet everybody is gonna feel that same way, Dale, when they check out of their hotels in Las Vegas and they get the bill. Yeah, you watch their faces yep. and look for that butt puckering look on their exactly. face. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, why does oh, my butt hurt? <laughs> <laughs> just tell them what just, happened last night. Just tell them just bend oh. over and grab your ankles. And Listen those, for the zipper. Yep. Hey, mm-hmm. on that note. Thank you all for joining us for another yet another episode of High Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon to the east on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day. Uh, to our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table too. Uh, even though it's just Dale today, you know uh, everybody. You gotta go to Vegas. You gotta go to Vegas. You know you gotta hang out with Bernie. You gotta hang out with Burner. You know. That's right. You? That's right. Get it in. <laughs> See where your priorities are. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> to our production team, Adam, and to all of our sponsors, keeping the lights on, and our uh, AV struggles to a minimum. As always, Canvas City of L, the reason we show up to read these headlines every single day. Thank you, boo. And um, you know what? It's Wednesday, not Tuesday, Jason. Wednesday, hump day, November 29th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top entry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News, Cannabis Industries' number one daily news show. Dale, Uncle Dale, you got something for these good people today. Uh, I hope so. Whatever your belief system, ontology, whoever you talk to when you're looking for advice, ask them to bring out the better angels of our nature. We're not. We're, we're bringing out the cruel, killing part of our human nature right now around the world, and we, we need to love each other a little more. That's it.